Please be seated. Pueden sentarse. I am so grateful that we have people that have responded to God's invitation to follow through on those promises we just made a few minutes ago with baptism, to, to train, to plant seeds of faith in our young people, our children. And so it's children in worship time right now. We want to send those boys and girls out to learn more of God and his ways and his will for their lives. Queremos enviar a los niños para el tiempo de niños en adoración. They're heading out, and as they do so, I really do want to encourage you to find uh, a Bible that you can be able to look at, whether that's a copy you bring yourself. Please bring your Bibles to church. We encourage that here. But if not, we do have Bibles in the back, or maybe you have an app on your phone. And we're going to be looking today at a lot of Scripture. This is one of those Sundays, which I am not going to apologize for, okay? Uh, vamos a estar mirando muchos textos bíblicos y no me disculpo por eso. It's a good thing. So, uh, we're going to start with just one. We're starting with one scripture, which is from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Vamos a comenzar con el Evangelio de San Marcos, capítulo 1, versículos 1 al 3. So, we want to invite you to get there, to go there. As you are getting there, I uh, want to again repeat what Martín said, that we are in the second message of a series on exposing fake good news. That's the name of the series. Es el segundo mensaje de una serie sobre exponiendo las buenas noticias falsas. So I'm going to read this scripture for us first in English, and then I'll read it in Spanish. Voy a comenzar leyendo en inglés y después en español. This is the gospel. This is the good news of our Lord. Son las buenas noticias de nuestro Señor. Voy a comenzar leyendo en inglés. This is what it says. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Comienzo del Evangelio de Jesucristo, el Hijo de Dios. Sucedió como está escrito en el profeta Isaías. Yo estoy por enviar a mi mensajero delante de ti el cual preparará tu camino. Voz de uno que grita en el desierto, preparen el camino del Señor, háganle sendas derechas. Lord, may you add to the reading of your word what you want to bring to our hearts today. Que nos des lo que tú quieras traer de tu palabra hoy a nuestro corazón. We pray it in Jesus' name, en el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen. So, what we've just read says that this is the beginning of the gospel or the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Dice que es comienzo de las buenas noticias de Jesús, el Mesías, hijos de Dios. Now that is the gospel according to Mark, right? Es el evangelio según Marcos. That's what we've just read from. We're going to talk more about Mark in just a minute. I'll, I'll be getting into that a little bit deeper, but first... I would like to tell you about the good news, the gospel, according to Bart. Quiero enseñarles el evangelio de Bart. Not Bart Simpson, okay, not Bart Simpson, rather Bart Ehrman. Who's Bart Ehrman? Bart Ehrman is an agnostic, unbelieving, skeptical Bible professor from the University of North Carolina. Este es un profesor 
agnóstico de Biblia de la Universidad de Carolina del Norte. And according to Bart Ehrman, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesús nunca se declaró Dios, según él. In fact, Bart Ehrman would say, Jesus never was worshipped as God during his lifetime. No fue adorado como Dios durante su vida. Actually, he says, what happened is that after Jesus' death, some of his followers became convinced that somehow he had been raised from the dead. And so uh, they believed that he had, through that being raised, achieved divine status. Después de la muerte de Jesús, algunos creyentes pensaban que él había resucitado, que había logrado ser Dios. And so what they did, they came to believe he was somehow God, and so they got together and they began to tell stories. And they began to tell stories about things like Jesus pre-existing his birth from, from eternity. Narraban cuentos como que Jesús existía antes de su nacimiento. They told stories about his virgin birth. Hablaban de su nacimiento como virgen. And so somehow over a period of years from about the time Jesus left the earth around 33, 34 A.D. till about 90 A.D., somewhere in there things started to morph and change until finally Jesus was considered a full-blown deity by the end of the first century. Al final del primer siglo, Jesús le consideraban como un dios. But that's not the good news, according to Bart. No son las buenas noticias, según él. The good news is that really Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And while the church at some point considered him to be equal to God, the real good news is that Jesus was just a great Jewish prophet who somehow believed that the world was going to end soon. Él consideraba que las buenas noticias son que Jesús era profeta judío y pensaba que el mundo iba a llegar a su fin. That's the good news according to Bart. I want to tell you the good news, according to Philip. Las buenas noticias según Felipe. I'm talking about Philip Gully, another skeptical author. Uh, he says that really we need to understand that, that Jesus uh, really was just a man as well. Uh, he says that things like the virgin birth, the sinless life of Jesus, his miracles, all these things are legends and myths that were made up to kind of project onto Jesus divine status. Él dice que el nacimiento de Virgen, su milagro, su vida sin pecado, son leyendas para proyectar a Jesús estado divino. The fact is, Philip says, the gospel according to Philip is that Jesus never wanted to be worshipped as God. Jesús no quería ser adorado como Dios. The gospel according to Philip is that Jesus is more a model for moral living. He's a teacher of moral truth more than an object of worship. Jesús es más un modelo, un ejemplo de la buena vida moral que un objeto de la adoración. Now the gospel according to Richard is somewhat simple, uh, similar. El evangelio según Richard es algo parecido. I'm talking about a, a man by the name of Richard Rohr who's a Dominican friar. Es un fraile dominicano, Richard Rohr. And he says simply, uh, The reason we have faith in Jesus is to have the faith of Jesus. Tenemos fe en Jesús, Él dice, para tener la fe de Jesús. In other words, Jesus isn't meant to be the focus 
of our faith. Jesus is meant to be an example of how to have faith in God. Jesús no es el enfoque de fe, es un ejemplo de cómo tener fe en Dios. And finally, there's the gospel according to Rob. El Evangelio según Rob. Rob Bell. Rob Bell uh, is a former pastor who deconstructed his faith. We talked about that last week. Es un pastor que se desconstruyó la fe. And he says even less than all of the other guys. He says that Jesus came to earth simply to remind us of our common humanity. To wake us up to the fact that we're all human and we need to kind of, you know, take care of one another. Él dice que Jesús llegó para despertarnos a nuestra humanidad en común. So Jesus, the great prophet, Jesus, the moral example, Jesus, the example of faith, and Jesus, the humanitarian. Jesús, el gran uh, profeta, el gran maestro de la moralidad, Jesús, el ejemplo de la fe, y Jesús, la humanitaria. Those are the Gospels, according to Bart and Philip and Richard and Rob. Four Gospels. Son cuatro evangelios, but they are another gospel. Son otro evangelio. So which one of these is the true gospel? Which one of these is the real gospel? ¿Cuál es el evangelio de verdad? Well, the answer according to the Bible is none of them. None of them. They're all fake. They're all fake good news. Son todas falsas buenas noticias. Why? Well, the reason that these are fake good news is, is not, because, not because they're 100% untrue. No son, pues mentiras es 100%. No, there is an element of truth here. We need to recognize that and, and, and point it out. Jesus was indeed a great prophet, greatest ever. Jesús sí era un gran profeta. He was the best moral example ever in the history of the world. And he taught the truth about how to live. He was the best example of faith in God and how to trust in God than you could ever see. Era un gran ejemplo de la moralidad y de la fe. And yes, Jesus Christ loved the human race like nobody else ever did. Claro que sí amaba la humanidad como ningún otro. It's not that those statements are untrue. The problem is they're not enough. It's not enough. No es suficiente. The whole truth, to tell you the truth, is found all over the pages of our Bibles, all over the pages of the New Testament. Miramos la verdad en el Nuevo Testamento, and, and if we look closely and if we understand what the New Testament is telling us, at almost every turn, it testifies something to us. It testifies to us the truth that Jesus showed himself to be God, he claimed to be God, and he was worshipped as God from the very beginning. La Biblia nos muestra que Jesús sí se declaró Dios, se mostró ser Dios y era adorado como Dios. And, and that is going to bring us back here to the gospel according to Mark. I promise to get back to it. Here we are. Quiero mirar Marcos. Now, many skeptics, and including Bart Ehrman, would say that this whole idea of Jesus being God just kind of, like I said, it developed over time. And, and Bart Ehrman would say that Mark 
is the gospel of the four gospels we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the one that least talks about Jesus being God. That it really doesn't show us that Jesus is God. Él dice que Marcos no nos muestra que Jesús es Dios. Now, by the time you get to John, John was the last gospel written, uh, around 90 AD, we think, well then, yeah, by then, John, yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, lets the cat out of the bag. Yeah, we think Jesus is God, but Mark didn't think that. Juan sí dice que Jesús es Dios, pero Marcos no. Well, let's see if Bart is right. Let's go into Mark chapter 1, verse 2. Marcos 1, 2. And here Mark says, he, he says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. Estoy por enviar a mi mensajero delante de ti. He's talking about the beginning of the gospel being a messenger who's going to come and prepare a way. Un mensajero viene para preparar un camino. Well, if we go back to the Old Testament of the Bible, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, this is an exact quote from Malachi 3, 1. Es una cita exacta de Malachias 3:1. It was written centuries before. God is speaking. And God in Malachi 3:1 says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I'm coming. Then suddenly the Lord whom you are seeking will come to his temple. Yo estoy por enviar a mi mensajero para que prepare el camino delante de mí. De pronto vendrá a su templo el Señor a quien ustedes buscan. And, and so Mark is quoting here a scripture about someone going to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord to his people, to his temple. Un mensajero viene para preparar camino para que venga el Señor. Verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Voz de uno que grita en desierto, preparen el camino del Señor, háganle sendas derechas. This is quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. Again, written centuries before in the Old Testament. Es una cita de Isaías 40. And it's talking about a voice, a messenger crying out. And what is the messenger saying? Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Preparen el camino para la venida del Señor. Now, Bible scholars are looking at this and they're saying, the messenger is not Jesus. The beginning of the gospel, according to Mark, is that there is a messenger who is preparing the way for God's coming, for the Lord's coming, and the messenger is preparing the way for Jesus. Because Jesus is God. Mensajero prepara el camino para que venga Jesús, para que venga el Señor, porque Jesús es Dios. First three verses of Mark. If we need more, let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 10. Marcos 1, 10. That messenger was John the Baptist. Juan Bautista era el mensajero. He baptizes Jesus. El Bautista Jesús, and it says, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove. Al salir del agua, Jesús de su bautismo vio que el cielo se abría, que el Espíritu bajaba sobre él como una paloma. And then... There's a voice that comes from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Se oyó una voz del cielo que decía, tú eres mi hijo amado, estoy muy complacido contigo. Jesus is baptized. Heaven opens up. The spirit of God comes down. God speaks and God says, that one, he's mine. That one, he belongs to me. That one pleases me perfectly. Ese me complace perfectamente. Ese es mío. In other words, he's from me. Let's keep going. Mark 2, 5. Marcos 2, 5. There's a great story about four friends 
who carry a paralyzed man on a stretcher. They lower him through the roof to get to Jesus. Hay cuatro hombres que llevan un paralítico a Jesús, lo bajan de un techo. And in Mark 2, 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Al ver Jesús la fe de ellos, le dijo al paralítico, hijo, tus pecados quedan perdonados. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Estaban sentados ahí algunos y, 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 y pensaban, ¿por qué uh, estaba blasfemando? ¿Quién puede perdonar pecados sino solo Dios? So these religious leaders are upset. Why? Because Jesus is claiming to do what only God is supposed to do. Jesús dice hacer lo que solo hace Dios. Mark 2.10, Marcos 2.10. Jesus says to them that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he says to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he does. Para que sepan que el Hijo del Hombre tiene autoridad en la tierra para perdonar pecados, a ti te digo, levántate, tome tu camilla, y vete a tu casa. So Jesus does not just do one thing that God is supposed to do here. He does two things that God is supposed to do. He forgives sins and he heals with divine power. El perdona pecados y sana con poder divino. Dos cosas que solo Dios hace. And these guys just don't know what to make of that. Turn the page. Mark 2:27. Marcos 2:27. The disciples, it's the Sabbath day. They're hungry. They're going through a wheat field. They pick up some grain of wheat to have as a snack. Los discípulos pasan el sábado por un campo de trigo y cosechan el trigo para comer. And some religious leaders again get upset. Hey, they're violating the Sabbath law. They're doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath day. Hacen lo que es ilícito en el sábado, dicen los, los uh, maestros. And then in Mark 2.27, Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. El sábado se hizo para el hombre, no el hombre para el sábado. And then in verse 28, he says, So then, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. El Hijo del Hombre es Señor Incluso del sábado. Notice something. Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. Right? Él dice que es el hijo del hombre. In the previous story, he said the son of man has authority to forgive sins. Antes dijo el hijo del hombre tiene autoridad para perdonar pecados. What's going on with that? What's this, what's this uh, title, son of man, about? Well, we go back to the Old Testament of the Bible, to Daniel chapter 7. Vamos a Daniel 7 en el Antiguo Testamento. And there in Daniel 7, if you read it, there's this incredible vision of this figure called the Son of Man who comes on the clouds of heaven and he comes before the throne of God Almighty and then he takes a place right next to God at the right hand on the throne. In other words, he's given something. El Hijo del Hombre viene en la nube del cielo y se sienta a la diestra de Dios Todopoderoso. In Daniel 7:14, it says this. He, the Son of Man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. Se le dio autoridad, poder y majestad. Todos los pueblos, naciones y lenguas lo adoraron. The Son of Man is worshipped. Who alone receives worship in the Bible? God. You don't hear God complaining here. Hey, son of man's getting the worship, not me. Why? 
Who is this son of man? ¿Quién es este hijo del hombre? Who is given all authority, all glory, all worship? Jesus saying, that's me. That's me. It goes on to say his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Su reino jamás será destruido. Who has an everlasting kingdom? Who has a, a, a reign that will never go away? Only God. And Jesus here is saying, I have authority because I'm the son of man. Yo tengo autoridad porque soy el hijo del hombre. I have authority to forgive sins. I have authority over the Sabbath day. I have authority over everything and worship is due to me. Tengo autoridad sobre todo y se me debe toda la adoración. Not convinced yet? Let's go to Mark chapter 14 verse 61. Marcos 16 o 1461. Jesus is arrested He's brought before the Jewish authorities. Jesús es arrestado ante las autoridades judías. The high priest asks him point blank, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? El sumo sacerdote le pregunta, ¿Eres el Cristo, el Hijo del Bendito? And Jesus says in verse 62, I am. I am. Si yo soy, dice Jesús. And then he points to that vision from Daniel. And he says, And you're going to see the Son of Man doing what? Coming on the clouds of heaven. And sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. Again, he's saying, I'm that guy. Ustedes verán al Hijo del Hombre sentado a la derecha del Todopoderoso y viniendo las nubes al cielo. But there's something interesting about what Jesus says here. He simply says, I am. He's not just saying, when he says, I am, he's not just saying, yep, that's me. No, he's saying more. When he says, I am, he is invoking the divine name of God. Está invocando el nombre divino de Dios cuando dice yo soy. He's saying, I am the great I am. Yo soy el gran yo soy. No wonder the religious leaders rip their clothes off and go berserk. Because Jesus has just claimed to be God. Por eso se rasca la vestidura, se, se vuelven locos. So, there are, there are more examples I could give you. And that's just the gospel of Mark, mind you. You know, the one that doesn't really talk about Jesus being God. Ese es solo el evangelio de Marcos. In fact, I'll give you a couple more outside of Mark. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 8.6. Primero Corintios 8.6. The early church leader, Paul, says something that is astounding. Pablo dice algo aquí muy maravilloso. He says, for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom, all, for whom we live, And there's but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Para nosotros no hay más que un solo Dios, el Padre de quien todo procede, para el cual vivimos, y no hay más que un solo Señor Jesucristo, por quien todo existe, por medio del cual vivimos. Paul says there's one God, the Father. There's one Lord, Jesus. Oh yeah, and we are created and we exist through both of them. Un solo Padre, un solo Jesús, y existimos por medio de los dos. What Paul is doing here is he's a good Jew, and he is working off of the basic Jewish profession of faith that is found in Deuteronomy 6.4. This was the basic profession of faith of the Jews. Él está hablando de la profesión de fe de los judíos. Deuteronomy 
Six forces, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. El Señor nuestro Dios es el único Señor. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, yep, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God the Father, Jesus the Lord, are one God. Dios el Padre, Jesús el Señor, son el único Señor. That's Paul, the good Jew, that would never worship any other God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Filipenses 2.9. We have here, again from Paul, what may have been an early Christian hymn. Es parte de un himno cristiano. This hymn may be older than the Gospel of Mark, older than, than all of this. This may be from the very early days of the Christian faith. Es un himno viejo. It's talking about Jesus, and it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Who gets the highest place? Keep that in mind. And gave him the name that is above every name. Who has the highest name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's meant to be the divine name there, to the glory of God the Father. Por eso Dios lo exaltó hasta lo sumo y le otorgó el nombre que está sobre todo nombre para que ante el nombre de Jesús se doble toda rodilla y toda lengua confiese que Jesucristo es el Señor para gloria de Dios Padre. That hymn, that song, again is based off of scripture. Bible scholars point us to Isaiah chapter 45, 23 in the Old Testament. Señala Isaías 45, 23, where God is speaking. God speaks in Isaiah 45, 23, and he says, Before me, every knee will bow. And by me, every tongue will swear or confess. Ante mí se doblará toda rodilla, por mí jurará o confesará toda lengua. In other words, the first Christians from the very beginning assigned to Jesus what is of God. Asignan a Jesús lo que es de Dios. The good news The good news is that Jesus Christ was a great prophet. Oh yes, era gran profeta Jesús. Jesus Christ was a great moral example and moral teacher. Oh yes, si era un gran ejemplo moral. He was a great example of faith. Era un gran ejemplo de fe. Yes, he was one who loved people like no other. Claro que sí amaba la humanidad. But the good news of the gospel is all of that and so much more. Mucho más. The good news of, of the Christian message is and has to be that Jesus Christ is the almighty God who's come in the flesh to be with us. It's so clear. Él es el Dios todopoderoso que ha venido en forma humana con nosotros. That's the message that has been proclaimed and believed from day one. Fue el mensaje que fue proclamado y creído desde el principio. And that's good news. Because you see, anything less than that is not enough. It's not enough to meet our greatest need. Algo menos no puede cumplir con nuestra necesidad. If Jesus is just a great moral teacher or a great example of faith, he can tell me how to live. He can tell me how to believe but he can't give me the power to do it. Él puede mostrarme como ejemplo cómo creer y cómo, cómo vivir, pero no me da la capacidad de hacerlo. Think about it. If Jesus is just an inspiring human being who once lived, si es un ser humano inspirador, 
The question is, why, why follow him? There are a lot of inspiring human beings. They're all dead. Why follow Jesus? Why not follow Buddha? Why not follow Gandhi? Why not follow Mother Teresa? If he's just an inspiring human being, si Jesús es un ser humano inspirador, ¿por qué no seguir a otro, a Gandhi, al Buda, a la Madre Teresa? If Jesus has simply lived and died as an example, if he's just a great teacher, si eres simplemente un gran maestro, well, I can kind of pick and choose what I like of what he says, and I don't have to follow the rest. I can just pick it out. You know, I like this, I don't like that. I leave him alone, he leaves me alone. It's a real convenient arrangement. Si lo sigo así, yo puedo escoger lo que me gusta o lo que no me gusta, lo dejo en paz, él me deja en paz. But here's the problem with that. It's convenient, but it's also not enough. It's not enough to give me what I need. It is not enough to fix what's broken with me. And there's a lot that's broken. It's not enough to deal with my sin. No es suficiente para, para, para arreglarme, la, arreglarme la vida. It's, you know, it's not enough to fix what's wrong with our world. It's not enough. If, if Jesus is not God, it's not enough to save you and me from the consequences of our sin, from the cold reality of death grabbing onto us and throwing us into an eternal pit. No es suficiente para que la mano de, fría de la muerte me aga, no me agarre y me, me, me tira a la fosa. If Jesus is just a great dead man, let's pack it up and go home, please. I mean, there's no point. There's no hope. Si Jesús es simplemente un hombre muerto grande, no hay por qué, no hay esperanza. In fact, that's exactly what the early church leader Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Primero de Corintios 15, 17, he says this, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's useless and you're still in your sins. Si Cristo no ha resucitado, la fe de ustedes es ilusoria y todavía están en sus pecados. A Jesus who's just an inspiring human being is not enough to meet our greatest need. Jesús no puede así cumplir con nuestra necesidad como ser humano. But a Jesus who is God, he is more than we could ever hope for, more than we could ever deserve, and he is worthy of all our worship and all of our devotion and everything we've got. Un Jesús que es Dios es más de lo que merecemos y es digno de nuestra adoración y devoción. See, the good news is Jesus didn't just become God. He didn't just become God over a process like Bart thinks. Jesús no se hizo Dios. No, he always was, always is, always will be God in the flesh. Él siempre era, es y será Dios con nosotros. He's the eternal God revealed to us through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection. Es el Dios eterno revelado en su vida perfecta, su muerte sacrificial, su resurrección victoriosa. And Jesus was never, ever considered anything less 
than God by God himself, by his followers, by his enemies, by scripture, by the early church. No fue considerado menos que Dios por Dios mismo, sus seguidores, sus enemigos, las escrituras y la primera iglesia. So here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Why would we want to settle for anything less? Why would we want something less than God? ¿Por qué queremos algo menos? And my hope is by what we've done today that the, the Lord himself will be speaking to you and inviting you to seek and to worship the real Jesus. The real Jesus who is more. And that's the real good news. Que Dios te inspira a buscar y adorar a Jesús verdadero quien es más porque es Dios. Let's pray together, shall we? Vamos a orar. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that your word gives us so much light. It's not that your word is unclear or mysterious. It's that our eyes are often blinded. Tu palabra nos da tanta luz y nuestros ojos a veces son cegados a esa, a esa luz. I thank you for the good news, the gospel. I thank you for the gospel according to Mark and Matthew and Luke and John and Paul and many others through the centuries who've testified to who you are and what you've done that shows who you really are. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. Gracias por el testimonio del Evangelio de Marcos, Mateo, Lucas, Juan y muchos más. Help us, God, in our reading of the Scripture to be, to be open to see how clearly the Scriptures point to who you are. Que podamos ver en tu palabra que tan claramente nos muestras quién eres. And we pray that for those that may be confused or those that may still be sorting this out, that your Spirit will gently, lovingly guide them into a clearer understanding of your truth, the truth that you are, because you are the way and the truth and the life. Que los que estén confundidos puedan ser guiados a la revelación de tu verdad, porque tú eres el camino, la verdad y la vida. It's in your name we thank you for this precious word of God that we have. And we thank you for Jesus, that he is more. Gracias que Jesús siempre es más. It's in his name we pray. En su nombre oramos.